Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to hear your word, come before your throne, that there is always mercy and grace here. There's uh, instruction, correction. Everything that we need, Lord, is right here at your throne in your presence. Uh, we honor you. We love you for inviting us here. We are always welcome here, Lord, by faith. So we thank you, Lord, for this this opportunity to hear what you have to say to us. Many people don't have this opportunity, Lord, for one reason or another. And so we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Well, we're today we're going to talk about the fact that he took the curse for you. Amen. He took the curse for you. In Galatians 5, 13, if you want to turn there, pretty sure it's 5, 13. Let me check and make sure. Uh, hang on. It's probably 3 something. 3, 13. Thank you. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, Miss, uh, Miss Jan. Galatians 3, 13. Amen. It says here, um, he's correcting this church, okay? Um, Galatia was part of, I think it was either Asia Minor or going over into Europe. He didn't ever really get that far, but uh, there were some, some areas where Paul went that uh, were... But just doors that God opened up for him. And depending upon where people were coming from, you could tell what their issues were. Uh, everybody was leaving the old life that they used to live. So, for instance, in Ephesus, there was witchcraft. And so he would talk, he would make reference sometimes in the Ephesian uh, epistle, we always remember that one because it takes, it goes into the full armor of God. I don't know if anybody else remembered it that way, but I remember when I was a new Christian, people would talk about spiritual warfare. And that was the first place they would take you to Ephesians chapter 5. Put ye on the full armor of God. And they had people that did, I, every morning I get up and I put this on and put that on and put that on. And I just sit there and listen to people. And I, one day the Lord told me, he said, I don't know why they keep putting it on because they should never take it off. So I said, okay, <laughs> you know, sometimes you think you, you all messed up because you don't think like everybody else, but you know, the armor of God really is walking in the spirit. It's, you know, but Paul dis- describes it because he was dealing with the people that understood armor and warfare. So he used those examples for the people he was talking to then. We don't know anything about that stuff in this culture, but we do know about walking in the spirit, or we should, and and living by the spirit and, and that kind of thing. And so it can be adapted to the way we live. But the Galatians had start running into some problems with people wanting to put them back under the law. So there was no doubt a lot of Jewish believers in this assembly. And he would, Paul is trying to describe to them the life that they have now, uh, in the spirit and the life with, with, in Christ. 
You see that in the book of Romans, that, that he is always going back, helping people to get rid of the law and come out of the do's and don'ts of life and live by the Spirit. And really, that's a good lesson for us in this day and age, even though we don't have that Old Testament history and experience living out of that Old Testament law, we have a law within us already. There's something in you that tells you you can't do this, you can't do that. And if you do this, you'll get in trouble. If you do that, you know that kind of mindset. And so it's good for all of us to understand what the Galatians were experiencing. And he says here in 3 verse 1, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn from you. Did you receive, excuse me, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Now, did, did the works of the law let the Holy Spirit come into your heart? Or did hearing and confessing Christ by faith get you to receive that? And he says, if, if, or by the hearing of faith, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? And I don't know anybody who hasn't fallen into that trap mentally. You start out things by faith. You start out things by the Spirit. You love God. He loves you. Everything's going well. And then all of a sudden, something pops into your head and says, you need to do more of this. You don't need to do that. You need to get rid of this. You don't need to get rid of, you know, that kind of stuff. And so that's a constant fight for us to trust faith and trust the spirit versus trusting the works of the flesh it's it's an easy habit to fall into especially when you have to wait on something you know if you have, if you have to wait for god to 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 manifest something in your life it takes time folks what else are you doing and if he did everything real quick it's like um uh <laughs> lester summerall used to tell people he told a congregation one time come back here tonight at at tonight's service and i'll tell you the date and time when jesus is coming back that place was packed and then he read the scripture no man knows the day and hour why'd you come back here looking for that you need to be coming looking for jesus he let him have it coming and going he was so funny so funny and he was real gruff and but he was such a loving man you know he just the things that he did for god he just were uh, immeasurable but he always had that keen kind of rough edge because he his part the larger part of his ministry was built on his apostolic authority to take authority over darkness devils demons all that kind of stuff. And you can't be a pushover with that type of an anointing on you. You know, you, you see things kind of black and white. And so, uh, but, but he was, he was very, very smart in the things of God, very, very wise. And he says here, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Boy, oh boy, that'll straighten you out in a minute, won't it? It'll get you out of the do's and the don'ts and uh, I can't do this and I should be here and I shouldn't be there and I should have had this by now and it's all, that's all legalism. Amen. This your, your carnal mind goes through that trip. And he says, have you suffered so many things in vain? 
if it yet be in vain. In other words, you've, you've endured a lot living by the spirit. You've done, done without things. You, you've had hardships just to obey Christ. Now you, you've gone through all of that. Now why are you putting it away? He said, he therefore that ministers to you the spirit and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Amen. You've got to hear the word and allow faith to build up in you before you can do things. You just can't jump out and do them in the flesh. He said, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. This sounds like the book of Romans, doesn't it? He says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. So the scripture already had a shadow of this understanding in it. He said, the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. That is the gospel. Amen. Is the blessing of Abraham to everybody who believes. And he says here, so then they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. We have Abraham's faith. We have his uh, abilities to believe. We have his strength. We have his knowledge. We have all of that. All that's our inheritance. You have that already by faith. You just need to learn how to strengthen it put it in operation, how to feed it, how to feed your faith with the word of God. But all of that comes to life inside of us as we read and hear and meditate on the word. So he says, they which are of faith are blessed with Abraham. So Abraham, the Bible says, Abraham was heir of the world. That's us too. We're, we're his heirs. What do we inherit? You know, when people say you're, you're, you're blessed with Abraham or you're his heirs, you're his descendants, you have what he had. People don't even look and see what it is. They think it's money only. Abraham had health. He had restored youth. He had restored vigor. Abraham had two sets of, three sets of kids, really, if you count Ishmael. And then with Sarah, he had Isaac. And then he went on after Sarah passed away. He got married again. So his, his, the restoration of his youth and his fertility never left him. Amen. He didn't get old once with Sarah and, and get youthful all of a sudden to have Isaac and then get old again. That stayed with him. You know, this is amazing stuff when you think about it. You just, kind of blows your mind it's like god made him youthful again forever i mean when he stepped over into glory with god he was still that same youthful abraham it's amazing folks it's amazing there's some stuff we need there's some stuff we think we're losing or we're going to lose that we don't have to lose because we are blessed with him we have the same blessing he had we live in that same blessing amen so everything that god conferred on abraham belongs to us it is ours already why because we're joint heirs we're heirs with him we inherit everything that he had while he walked the earth 
And it, we have relationship with God where we can believe him for the impossible. Man, when you think about what this man, what did, what did he leave for us? And, and see, he did all the preliminaries. He did all the, the heavy lifting. He walked through and had his trials and, and, you know, came up a little short and then came back again and God blessed him some more and opened more revelation to him. We have all of that. We have all of that. That belongs to us. That's ours. So don't say it's hard to believe God, but is it hard to believe it? Don't ever say that because you are an heir. If you knew what you had, you wouldn't talk about how hard stuff is. You talk about what you have already. Amen. You and be, believing is just a decision, folks, to listen to the word really is what it is. Just listen to God and let him convince you that his word is true. That's the Holy Spirit's job, folks, is to be our teacher, our guide, our helper, strengthener, our, our convincer. You know, it's, it's his job to convince us about the truth of God's word. And so it says, they which be our, they which are of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are the works of the law are under the curse. Interesting. Cause it's written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you're going to be a legalist, if you're going to do the law, you got to do the whole thing. You got to do the, the, and I don't know what you do about the sacrifices and offerings because, you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for you. you got a little kitty cat or a dog running around there. You do something wrong. You know what I'm saying? So all of that stuff, we know we have a better cover. That stuff's been done away with. The, the Jews didn't respect it. If that was so strong and, and, and so easy to do, why did they go off and, and, and worship pagan gods? They they buy idols just like their neighbors did, because they thought their God was too hard. It was too hard to to go ahead and do everything He said to do. And really, all they would have to do would be to cry out to God, and God would ease up the burden on them. You know, He would He would uh, have mercy on them. But they never really stuck with God. They were looking for an easy way out. And it's the same thing with us. If we think we can sit up and obey the commandments, Ten Commandments, uh, you do okay until you get to the part where you can't want nothing that don't belong to you. <laughs> and then you say, well, my eyes offend me. Pluck them out. You'll be blind, deaf, crazy, and everything else trying to do the law. So cut it out. And just live for God and, and learn how to look to him for everything. He's your helper. So as many as are under the uh, works of the law are under the curse. For it's written, cursed is everyone that continues not in all the things that are written in the books of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Amen. So justified people, this this means people who can stand before God as his friend. You know, that's, that's the easiest way to explain justification. There's nothing standing between you and God. There's no sin separating you. There's no offense anymore. You stand in God's presence as his friend. And his countenance smiles upon you. 
He looks upon you as a friend. He doesn't want to banish you out of his sight. He wants to embrace you and love you and help you. Amen. And so the just shall live by faith. We've got to trust God in this life. Amen. You you just can't take it over yourself and say, well, I should do more of this and I should do more. Yeah, that's probably true. But you ain't doing it. So what you going to do instead? You know what I'm saying? I mean, come on, y'all. We try to run our own program. Every every chance we get, we'll try to take it over from God. Because that's just the way the human soul is. You know, we're always looking for our own solutions. If we don't think things are going fast, oh, well, I wonder what I can do to speed it up. I want to speed up, speed up, speed up. Amen. And if we gave, if God gave us everything we were asking for, when we backslide so fast, amen. <laughs> this is funny. My nieces and nephews used to say, uh, Baba, why don't you come to Vegas with us? I said, Vegas who? I said, you know, last time I was there, I, I gambled so long, my arm was sore. You know, crazy, uh, slot machines. We had, my husband and I went to the pool that morning. We were just gonna, we were gonna walk through the casino cause you gotta go through there to get up to your room. I remember being dripping, everybody walked through there dripping wet. It was not a big deal. They, they didn't care what you did as long as you played the machines. And so I remember standing there until my bathing suit got dry. That's a long time. So. <laughs> Needless to say, I said, honey, y'all don't want to take me there. Number one, I ain't nobody. I ain't reverend nobody. I said, you leave Baba right down there in that casino and don't talk to me. (laughs) I got business to do. So, yeah, I ain't a nice person. You take me back into the sinful, the the belly of the beast. (laughs) So just leave me at home, okay? We all be a whole lot happier. But anyway, but uh and he says... For the just shall live by faith. You've got to use your faith to please God. You've got to use your faith to live. You, you, you will die trying to obey the law. It's, it's a killer. Amen. We always want to take over the job, take over God's job like we can do it better. Well, if that's true, why'd you come to Christ? Amen. Why did you come? And so you gotta, you gotta, Take the whole pill. You know what I'm saying? You, you, you gotta do this. And it's his laws aren't grievous to us. We can do this. It's just gonna be a, a discipline for us when we catch ourselves trying to do things on our own power. We gotta stop it and repent and say, God, please forgive me I, and help me to stay with this faith thing. I want to give up sometimes, but there's no better life than the faith life. And I I just don't understand enough about it. Probably I don't know enough about it to get comfortable with it. So that's what I'm trying to do, Lord. Get my comfort here in in living by faith. And he says, the law is not of faith, of faith, but the man that does them shall live in them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. I'm talking no curse. I don't care how bad you are. You're not under the curse anymore. 
you know, Christians, you know, and, and you have to be careful about this stuff because I remember when back in the 80s when I was first saved and everybody was teaching on the blessings and the curses. And, you know, you get these new new teachings that come out and everybody wants to. And then you find out most people have more faith in the curse than they do the blessing. Because they think the first thing you do, and they, the generational curses, well, that doesn't apply to me. I don't belong to that family no more. Huh? I divorced baby, man, man, John, John, and, huh? This is not my family anymore. I have a family, family of God. Amen? Now they're my relatives, in a sense. But not that close. <laughs> I'm trying to win them over. See, you got to get them over on God's side before you can start, you know, finding that kinship. And you want them to die to that old stuff too. You know, it's too many, too many, uh, depressed alcoholics, drug addicts running through my bloodline. You don't want to claim that. Why would you want to claim that? Amen. No, I'm born again. I, I'm a new creature. Amen. All that's passed away. That all that's in the past. So I don't have any generational curses to to be bothered with. That curse is broken. Amen. I remember when we first started the ministry, we we would have uh, uh, the set my people free meetings. And where we would get people to renounce a lot of stuff that they had had claimed. Because they knew about the curses all of a sudden and they want to claim the curse now. And I, well, you know, that curse is, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was talking to a woman one time, praying with her and she, she put up such a stiff argument. I had to let her go. I said, well, sister, I said, I'm going to pray for you that God reveals the truth to you, but she's, her son was doing drugs because that curse was never broken. I said, why not? I said, if Jesus shed his blood, I said, and you believe, I said, are you saved? And she said, well, of course. I said, well, that curse is broken. Oh, no, no, no. It was. I said, honey, listen. You see, they think they, they're intellectual. You know, this is what kills. This is what sends a lot of people to hell. This is what steals a lot of their blessings away. Because they look down on people who believe God. See, if you believe God for things, you, you notice it's easy to do. Well, have you heard about so-and-so? They want to tell you all the stuff, the books they read and brother so-and-so's preaching and I'm a part of his ministry and I'm a faithful partner. I don't care what you are. This is the Bible. This is God's word. Amen. You can't dispute God's word. When you stand before God, he's going to ask you, how come you didn't believe that the curse was broken over your kid and thank me for delivering him from drugs? Call him the seed of the righteous and thank me that he's delivered. I don't care what you see. He is delivered. Amen. Amen. He just on his way. <laughs> you know, they on their way to the manifestation. It'll shock you sometimes the lies the devil has told your own children that keep them from coming back to God and living in the fullness of God. Well, they'll come up to, to parents sometimes. You know, all those years I thought God didn't want me because so and so and such and such. 
and see the devil reinforced it over and over and over again. You got me? And so they are delivered. They just need to shake that one last thing loose so they can live in their freedom. Amen. And we can't go back on this, folks. You can't just go back and start, well, you know, uh, they just living under the curse. Not if they're in my household, in my bloodline. We just curse stops at the cross, honey. We have received Christ. Amen. That's how you, how you think you can pray for people and God answers prayer if the curse is still there. God instituted and he broke it. For those who believe, see, you don't have to live under that anymore. People, they got people scared about their giving. You're scared God gonna curse you if you don't give him that 10%. Well, you know, when you think about it, that's pretty cheap for buying yourself out of that kind of trouble. 10%, where are you gonna get a deal like that? But your tithe don't break no curse. It didn't under the old covenant. It was their faith in obeying the law. Faith in what? In Jesus Christ. Even though he hadn't come yet, their faith in God was what kept them out of the curse of the law. And when they disobeyed and did not repent, they were right back under it again. That's how they would go into captivity for 50 years. That's the curse. Who's going to come and put you in jail for disobeying God? You know, we need to do more than just get a few phrases to re- repeat and a few pet teachers to say we following them. You understand me? People will help you so wound up. Religion is a killer. People want to get under works because they want you under works because that's what they're under. Amen. So stay free. That's what, uh, Paul was telling the Galatians, he said, who has bewitched you? Who's put a spell on you? Amen. It's funny. He he was good at playing words because witchcraft is putting a curse on somebody. He said, you wait, God didn't put that curse on you. Somebody else would have put it on you if you under the curse. Got me? It did not come from God. What the blood can't do doesn't need to be done. You understand me? The blood did everything. You gotta believe that. Can't believe in, you know, he's, yeah, I'm cursed with a curse cause I don't tithe. No, you're not cursed. You're not real smart. Or maybe you don't have faith to do it. But you can do it by faith. Your faith in the cross breaks the curse in your life. Amen? But the finished work, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, is redeemed us. It's bought us out of the power. There is no power from God's word to curse his people anymore. God did away with it. You can sit up and believe in it if you want to. But but your believing isn't going to make God change his mind. And it's not going to make it so. It's not going to go back. You're going to read the Old Testament. You've got to read it with the understanding that that's done away with, folks. Everything in there. If you can go in there and believe you're healed by faith, 
That's part of the curse too. You can believe for a good job because you're redeemed from the curse of poverty. That's part of the curse too. Then you can believe that, that you don't, you're not cursed just because you don't give God 10%. That you're not going to get the blessing if you obeyed it just like anything else. If you want the blessing, do the obedience. Amen. But don't get this hung up thing hanging over your head like you're scared of God because you, you 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 understand not over money if I get scared of God about something it'd be fornicating adultering or something crazy like that that'll the Bible says it's like taking fire to your bosom you know it can get burned at any time it could be over for you real quick messing around like that God does not want his body joined to that of a harlot so he wants his wants his body free, amen, to serve him. Our bodies belong to him. So we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Every jot and every tittle of the curse we are redeemed from. Christ was made a curse for us. If he lives in you, the life that you're living now is him living through you. You're yielding to his spirit and obeying the 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 uh uh leading of the holy spirit every step of the way in your life amen and it says that the blessing of abraham might come on the gentiles through jesus christ that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith so we receive the holy spirit through faith and everything else that we get must be obtained through faith, through the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so what Paul is trying to get them to, to see to do is quit mixing up the old with the new. Quit falling back on do not do's and don'ts when things aren't going right for you. Amen. It's good to seek God if there's some things that you think you, you need correction on or you need help with. You've, you've come to a, a fork in the road where you're not sure which way to go. Amen. But, but God wants us to obey us by faith works by love. If you, if you obey God, if you stay away from certain things that, that you don't feel God is pleased with, you do it by faith. Amen. You do it because you believe because of what you read in the word and what God speaks to your heart, you believe it's the right thing to do and it lines up with his word. This is how we live now. We're not living out of, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do this. There are some things that you might have to remind yourself of, but trust me, you you work that out with God and he leads you around things that you don't need to get involved in. And he'll lead you to things that you do need to get involved in. So it's not about you sitting back trying to decide what's going to impress God with your good behavior. There's a big difference between being led by the Spirit and living by faith and putting yourself back under the law thinking you can earn God's favor and earn his blessing in your life. You just can't do it. Amen. And I think many times people pick that up because they're too lazy to read the word and, and solve their issues through the word. And, you know, it seems like, you know, you, you should be able to get a shortcut somewhere. And I, I don't think that shortcut is through the do's and the don'ts. You know, 
back in the law again. That's not going to avail you anything. And so and you wear yourself out like that. You quit that real quick because you start realizing what you're doing. And you say, well, Lord, I'm just going to have to trust you. I'm, I thought it was taking a long time, but if it, if it's, if this is my lot to wait, then I just wait. You understand what I'm saying? You're not doing anything else. If you were trying to run your own life, you'd be waiting for something. And so we, we have to keep ourselves in that, that, in the right lane. We're, we're in this lane of blessing, faith, favor, walking in the spirit, living by faith, not the do's and don'ts necessarily, but living by faith. There's some things you definitely tell yourself you don't do. But to be honest with you, pretty much you don't have the desire to do them anymore. Amen. It's like I joke about, you know, having gambled, but I haven't gambled since I was a sinner. You know, I mean, it's been a lot of years, but I don't pick that life back up again. Amen. Mainly because I don't have any desire to. It doesn't really hold any kind of interest for me anymore. And I praise God for that. That's a deliverance, folks. Trust me. It is definitely a major deliverance. So um, God wants us to understand that we are redeemed from the curse of the law. Whatever the law cursed us for, for disobedience, we don't get cursed anymore. Amen. It's just not there. It's not there for you to, it's like when, when I'll tell people, um, when I first wrote, read Exodus 15, 26, uh, none of the diseases, I really believe I don't get disease. And God has verified that to me in so many different ways with different people, you know, um, over the years, you know, I would see, Saints of God go to the hospital. You know, I tell you the story about the little pastor that was our landlord where at one of the churches we rented in Detroit and, uh, he would see me on Sundays and then if he was missing and he'd show back up again, I said, I said, Bishop, where you been? Oh, sis, oh, sis. I was in the hospital, sis, in the hospital. I said, really? I said, well, what did they, what was wrong? I don't know. I was having, uh, he was, you know, sounding pretty serious type symptoms, you know, he said, and I said, well, what did they say? He said, couldn't find anything wrong. I said, it's cause you're healed. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And then he would say, pray for me, sis. You know, he's always, we never ended a conversation without pray for me, sis. But, but it, it's, it's true even if we don't believe it necessarily sometimes you know you'll start looking for evidence and they'll say well we don't we can't put a name on this or we don't know what this is but you can have a bunch of symptoms but but you don't have disease because he said he would not put them on his people period amen so you're doing better if you don't give it a name amen because when you when you think about warfare and fighting spiritual warfare there are different levels of battle that you have to fight amen the easiest level is symptoms you know because you can expect them to leave how many times do you have a pain and it you think about it for a minute and then pretty soon you don't even it you man it's been several days since i had that i haven't had that pain in a while you know that kind of stuff why because you considered not your body See, that's part of faith. You got me? 
You see, when you cannot consider it, that means that you're in faith that none of the diseases that he put on heathens will he put on. Now, your sinner friends get disease, but it's not for you. Amen. What you have is not disease. What you have is symptoms. If you believe the word. Amen. So symptoms can can easily be gotten rid of. You just talk to them. But if you take a diagnosis, not only are you fighting, say, for instance, symptoms is like the bottom level. And that's all you have. And you keep hitting them and hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. And pretty soon they'll dissipate, disappear. You keep hitting them with the word, keep meditating on the word, taking the word on the inside of you and believing the word and not what you feel or in your body. Amen. And and you're fighting it. And pretty soon those symptoms, you can beat them down and they go away. Even if it takes years, you're just fighting on a symptom level. But add a diagnosis and a name to it. And you've doubled what you gotta fight. Well, why not eliminate the name by saying, believing none of the diseases? You don't get disease. See, God, you don't put disease on me. What this is, the devil's lying to me and trying to make me think you gonna put it back on me for some reason. See, you get to this place that I'm talking about, you get here through meditation. See, you meditate your way into understanding anything in the Word of God. Well, God, if I don't get disease, what do I have? You're, you're, you got stripes. You're healed. Amen? By His stripes, you're healed. Well, what if? No, it's no what if now. I answered your question. You got stripes. Where, where sinners get disease, you get stripes. He said, I'm the Lord that heals you. See, these heathens out there, they can get sick and they can get diagnosed with sickness because they're not blood bought. They are not redeemed, but you're redeemed from what? From the curse of sickness. He said, none of the diseases. You want to know what those diseases are? You can go in the Bible and find a whole list of them. And then when you get to the bottom of the list, and it says any disease not listed here. So it takes care of the new stuff too. You got me? In other words, it, it that should spell out for you. This is the devil talking, talking this stuff, disease stuff, because he's always thinking up new diseases. He wants something new to get attention with and get people to to get a fearful of, start living all kind of crazy ways to avoid it, scared of it, scared they're going to come down with it. This is how he controls the world through fear. And see, if you understand he has no power over you at all, you're redeemed. What redeemed means you have been purchased. There's there, there was a price paid for you. Huh? When you redeem stuff, you cash it in. Amen. Remember, we used to save save those uh eagle stamps green stamps you get a stamp book and it was worth money but there was no money there as long as you was looking at them stamps you done licked up and they taste that glue is nasty but you sat there and licked them anyway you didn't even think to get a, a sponge and a 
little thing of water. You sat there licking stamps all day long like a nut. And them, them pages be thick pasty with them stamps pasted in them. But it wasn't money until you did what? Redeemed it. Took it in there and they cashed it in. You got your money and they took them stamps. Amen. And so, so that's what we are. We're bought back. We're translated out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So we don't belong to darkness anymore. In fact, darkness don't like us. You may think the devil wants you, but he don't want to have nothing to do with you. Huh? Not really. If he can deceive you and talk you into coming over to his side, but he knows at any point. See, this is the thing about dealing with uh, people who are blood bought and have the light of God in them. He knows at any time God can turn that light on and he's in trouble then. You understand what I'm saying? He get whacked up on the side of his head. Oh, wait a minute now. This just devil, you get out of here. I know this is you now. You understand? See, he don't like that kind of stuff. But if he can tackle you and deceive you and whisper to you and at a distance and get you to go do stupid stuff, that's right up his alley. But he don't want to get too close to saints. See, he really doesn't. You know, it's, I've experienced that. You know, I've, I've, I've had situations where people run from me and I don't want to be around you. Oh, well, okay, well, cool. I don't like you neither. Well, you know what I'm saying. It's, but you know what it is. Amen. Something in there don't agree with them. So, so anyway, but, but we are redeemed from the curse, folks. Please believe that. Don't sit up and think it could be this or it could be that. It could be you healed. Amen. That's a possibility as well. Amen. So we always want to diagnose our little situations. You know, I don't even know why we do it, but our minds will go there. You know, is is in the normal human being, if if something, some discomfort persists for any length of time, then we want to find out what's causing it. Amen. Well, that ain't for us. Ain't nothing causing it. Why? Because you're living by faith under the word. None of these diseases. None of these diseases. None of these diseases. You spend enough time convincing yourself that you're disease free. And it won't occur to you to, to go running anywhere to find out what something is. You know, now there have been people that eventually they hung a diagnosis on them because they insisted on it. You know, that's where your faith runs out. But God will give you chance after chance after chance. See, this is a faith thing. You can't say, I don't have disease if you don't really believe you don't. You gotta believe that scripture. And you can't think, what is this every time you hurt? Cause the devil will give you something. You gotta understand that it's no, I'm healed. And you know what? Oftentimes as quickly as you make the decision to declare your healing, those symptoms start to subside. They'll start to loosen and, and pretty soon they're gone. 
but there are people who do live in constant fear of disease. You know, it's, it's cancer. I know I'm going to get cancer. My, my late husband was like that. He, he, both his parents died of lung cancer. He was a heavy smoker. He quit smoking probably about 20 years before he passed away, but he never believed that he wouldn't get cancer. So he wound up with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even Christians will believe they earned it because of the way they lived. And that's no conversation for a blood bought person. How, what, what good did Jesus taking all that beating and dying in your place? If you believe in that, you can't believe that you deserve cancer. I don't care what kind of life you lived. You know, there's a lot of people now, you know, you see, I see a lot of people who were, were, were adamant faith and word people. Now they're believing they're healed by vitamins. And I'm thinking, Lord, Lord, why do they weaken their faith in the word like that? Do you understand what I'm saying? They're looking for the human mind is always looking for something else to take the place of the supernatural. Do you understand what I'm saying? Just anyhow. It takes a lot of faith to believe in them capsules. I say they all look alike, God. What's up with this? You know. <laughs> I mean, everything's a white capsule. I mean, in case you haven't noticed, but, you know, maybe I'm just the only suspicious person out here. But It's true. And there's no claim for health on any of those bottles. Huh? Has not been proven. Use for so and so and such and such as therapeutic has not been proven. Well, they don't need to spend money to prove nothing. They got people buying it with no proof. I wouldn't spend the money either. I just go pouring some dust in some capsules and sell them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let's get with it, folks. You can't do better than this covenant right here. You can't do better than the word of God. You can't do better than living by faith in God's word. Amen. You know, it's, and if you're on the wrong road, God will correct you. You know, there have been times I've been standing on the word I thought and God say, listen, just go to doctor. Cause you ain't, you too nervous about this. You know, and it was like, okay, God, I see where I, I jumped over the line and got myself over here. And believing these symptoms were worse than what they were. So I gotta fight my way back in the word again to get over, but I'm not giving up on the word. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's just, it's just not in me to want to do things like that. You know, people say, well, I, you mean I can't go? I didn't tell you not to go nowhere. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about what's available to you by faith. Amen. But we all got to get there. I realize not everybody's at the same place in their faith, but when are we going to want to do better? When are we want to go to talk to God and say, God, how do I get this? Now I see this is possible because Abraham got all this stuff believing you. And I want to believe you and get my inheritance just like he got. I want what he got because your book says it belongs to me. 
So when are we going to start pressing for our inheritance? Instead of the right to say we got certain things. Huh? That Jesus already took from us. He took it in our place as a gift to us so that we could lead a life full of peace, carefree, disease-free, trouble-free, worry-free, that we could be free for all, from all the curse, all of the, the penalty of sin. We don't have that anymore. But you gotta understand that sickness is part of the penalty for sin. Just like poverty is. Amen? Poverty is when you try to do stuff and it never works out for you. It, it has nothing to do with you being broke all the time. There are people that are very successful and broke all the time. So, you know, they're prospering to a degree. Where they're falling down is on the stewardship end of it. And many times people who are not born again, not in the kingdom, do lose money very, very quickly. Their money doesn't do nearly what ours does. Amen. And so, but, but that doesn't mean that they're in poverty. They can be in great material wealth, but lacking in the ability to hold on to it. Amen. So there's some curse there. There's some failure there. And so what we need to understand is that when we say we prosper, that means that everything we do works out well. You, the vision is realized. We get what we came for. The, the crop comes in, you know, multiplied. Everything is, is set on increase and blessing. And not working against us. Amen. Why don't we turn to Genesis chapter 3. And you'll see the first instance of the curse here. And God's promise of redemption. Because this is an old story. This is is the story of about God's relationship with man. How it broke down. And what God is doing to get it back. Get our favor back. Get our blessing back to us. In Genesis 3, uh, the serpent tells the woman, you know, this, this food is good for you. It's going to make you wise like, uh, God. In verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, see, this is a picture of deception. Where you used to see stuff one way, now you see it differently. And you go from right to wrong. That's deception. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. See, she's really believing what the enemy told her. So she's seeing this tree differently from the way God told her to see it. Amen. And he says she took of the fruit and did eat and gave also to her husband and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both opened and they knew that they were naked. They were naked before, but they did not know it. Why? Their eyes weren't open to that. See, this, and this is what God is trying to get us to do. Open our eyes to the right thing. See, we are redeemed from the curse, period. But we need to open our eyes to it. And quit putting so much faith in, oh, this is a curse and I, I don't know what to do. Well, 
you'll never get yourself out of it. You don't have the power to. You got to believe that Jesus already did it. He's not going to do anything else either. You got to believe in what he's done already. And, and it says the eyes of them both were open. They knew they were naked. And so they hid from God. They sewed fig leaves together, made aprons. They heard the voice of God in the walking in the garden like he did every day, cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. And the Lord got called to Adam and said, where are you? And he said, I heard your voice and I was afraid. So all of these reactions that the man and the woman now have to God is what we're born with. We're born with scared of God. We're born hiding from God. Amen. When we're here, if, you know, when, when I was a sinner and people would talk about God, I'd get away from them. You know, I want to hear about God because I didn't know what, if he was, I was pretty sure he didn't want me. And if it was, if he wanted me, it wasn't for anything good. You understand? You fear the wrath of God when you're a sinner. And it says, he, uh, uh, he says that, uh, the woman you gave me, et cetera, et cetera. And then God pronounces the curse on this. This is in verse 14. The Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, you're cursed above all cattle. So you're going to crawl on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. And it, it, that one of her seed though will come and bruise your head. Amen. And you will bruise his heel. So anyway, uh, that's Calvary where the enemy was able to put bruises on Jesus to beat him and all of that. But Jesus winds up crushing his head when he goes down to, to hell and takes everything from him. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In sorrow, you shall bring forth children, but your desire shall still be to your husband, and he shall have the rule over you. That's under the curse. Why do women try to try to tell their husbands what to do to get out of the curse? That's the natural person's way of getting out from under the curse. And unto Adam, he said, because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife, and eaten of the tree you shall that and told you not to eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. So what that means is that you will work hard, hard, hard with very little increase. So that's a curse of poverty right there. Working hard with little yield or no yield. There were many, many seasons that that people throughout history have planted and water never came to water the crop. And so there's, there's that the ground is cursed. Amen. Different elements of their lives were cursed. Amen. And they were too. They were doomed to die. But death was a slow process for them back in the day. Now it's really a lot quicker to be honest with you. He says thorns and thistles, the ground shall bring forth. And you shall eat the herb of the field. So you'll be scratching and looking for food coming from the ground. It's not going to come easy. And it's going to be hard toil. He said, you're going to sweat. In the sweat of your face shall you eat bread until you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken and dust you are and dust you shall return. And so God then pronounces the curse on them. 
But before he, he, uh, allows them out of the garden, he takes an animal and, and, uh, makes a coat of skins for them so that he can cover them until they, um, until he can get them back again. Amen. So that coat of skins was God's blood covenant with them that they would, there would be a, um, uh, a redeemer that would come and this redeemer, they, they got introduced to Jesus little bit at a time. It took centuries before God completed the picture of the Messiah and what he would do for them. And still it was a little sketchy because even the, the disciples that live with Jesus and he taught them every day. I mean, every time he was with them, he taught them. They didn't know enough of scripture to put it together who he really was. Amen. So, but if you would go back and look through scripture, you could see where Jesus fulfilled every single thing that was ever written about him. But it came over centuries, like the prophets would drop a little here, drop a little there. Isaiah probably dropped more about the Messiah than anybody did in one, in one, um, one ministry, one life of his ministry. He told more facts about what Jesus, he would be born of a virgin, unto us a child is born. He would come in the world as a child. Most people were looking for a full grown man. You understand? And so when, when they would start to put it all together, they would often come up just rejecting him based on what they knew about, cause they just knew bits and pieces. You know, they, people would say things like, well, is Messiah, he's not coming from, no, 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 not Nazareth. They said Bethlehem. And then when he would minister in his own hometown, uh, they would see him being used by God and say, isn't that, uh, don't we know his family? We know where he came from. Well, he couldn't be the way. You understand what I'm saying? So these bits and pieces came together finally after he was raised from the dead. You need the Holy Ghost to put all that together for you. Even the ones who were close to him, most people thought the Messiah was coming to do something for him in the natural. Just like most of us do. We're looking for God to do natural things. We're not looking. (laughs) Nothing supernatural and spiritual. You know, we want our bills paid. We want a nice house. We want new tires on the car. We know that's the same. They were looking for the same thing. Amen. They weren't looking for somebody who would get to the root of your problem, which is sin. You got me? They weren't looking for that. They weren't looking for holiness. And so once we understand then what the deal is, we understand that it's holiness first. He changed us first. And then we get all the blessings on top of the changed life. And the more we change, the more God can bless us with. It's just a fact. Most people are blessed more now that they've walked with God for a season than they were back in the day when they first started. And see, we wanted everything day one. We were saved. Our wants have not stopped too much. (laughs) Amen. We still want that stuff. But we understand now more about how God blesses us. So so this is where we want to live. And so God then... He had to lock them out of the garden. The tree of life was still in the garden. 
He didn't want them to live forever full of iniquity and not being able to relate to him. He didn't want that. So he locked them out of the garden and, and drove man away from there out into the rest of the earth uh, to live, just to make a living, scratching, you know, all of that. The thing God did do was was kept them in that blood covenant so that they understood when they felt like when Adam, what he felt was he says, I was afraid of you and I hid from you. I know I'm naked, all of this stuff. So when he would have times, I'm sure, where he felt that same way. I'm scared of you. I don't want to talk to you. I know I'm naked. I know I'm no good. He would go find another animal and kill it and sacrifice to God, lift that sin off of him so that he could feel peace with God again. And this he handed down to his children. He handed it down to Cain and Abel in in uh, Genesis 4. It says here, Adam and Eve had two children. Verse 2, it says, chapter 4, verse 2, she uh bore Cain first and then Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep. Cain was a tiller of the ground. In the process of time, the process of time, this this murder didn't happen. Cain wasn't born wanting to murder his brother. There was nothing wrong with him. They both started out on an even keel. But in the process of time, something happened. And it says, Cain brought the fruit of the ground as an offering to the Lord. Abel also brought the first of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel's offering, but not Cain's. So in the process of time, Cain's sin remains on his soul. He feels estranged from God. He don't feel like his brother does. Amen. Is the danger comparing yourself with other people. Amen. Instead of letting everything be between you and the Lord. And so it says, it, it, and Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And God asked him, he said, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? These are signs of iniquity, folks. These are signs of sin has a grip on somebody. He says, if you do well, won't you be accepted? you do what I expect you to do, in other words, if you bring me a blood sacrifice, won't you be accepted? Huh? And if you don't do well, then sin lies at your door. So God is letting him know the way to get rid of your sin is through a blood sacrifice. Now, Adam and Eve are no doubt making sacrifices and so are, so is his brother Abel or else how would they know what to do? So this is something that was handed down from generation to generation all over the world. I don't care what God you were were serving. He required a sacrifice for you to, to get an answer for him or to have fellowship with him. And it says in, in, he says, and unto you shall his desire. And he, and it says, if you do well, you shall, shall you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin lies at the door. And unto you shall be his desire and, and it shall rule over him. So he's saying that sin will rule over you until you make this blood sacrifice. So if you do the right thing, 
sins at your door and it's going to rule over you. And sure enough, it does. And so he winds up killing his brother and the brother's blood is crying out for vengeance. Amen. So that blood has to have a response to it. And this is why Jesus was sent because there's been so much bloodshed in the earth that has never been answered to, that's never been atoned for. But Jesus is the atonement for all shed blood. I mean, sacrifices, human sacrifices, murders, uh, innocent blood, abortions, innocent blood being shed. Christ's blood is the atonement for that. That's why we plead the blood and declare the blood of Jesus to that it speaks better things than the blood of these slain babies. Amen. And so God then institutes his blood sacrifice that has to go on from generation to generation. Amen. Uh, you see the next instance of that in Exodus chapter five. You see the Passover instituted. Without the shedding of blood, there's what? No remission of sin. Amen. Your sin is not forgiven without the shed blood. We acknowledge the blood of Jesus at all times. Amen. There's nothing you can get from God without acknowledging that it's because of his sacrifice that you're even enabled to ask or or entitled to ask. Amen. It's it's just the right thing to do. Uh Exodus chapter five, um chapter twelve, I'm sorry. In verse five, it says here there there's a lamb for every household. Uh, uh God is instituting the Passover uh to protect this is the first battle that um uh his people are going into or potential battle. This is the first conflict. You could say it that way where they all need to stay together. They all need God, God's protection and they all need to escape the wrath of God because it's going to hit this place where they live. Now you need to understand that this is Psalm 91 really gives you a glimpse into this type of divine protection where it says no plague shall come near your dwelling. Why is that? Because back then it was the Passover lamb. For us, it's the shed blood of Jesus. Amen. It was even true for Old Testament saints. They lived in divine protection as long as they obeyed the law by faith. Amen. They had to believe in what they were doing. They had to believe that sacrifice took away their sin. They had to believe that sacrifice was was uh, what God required and it was sufficient so that they could live a life free from the curse and free from sickness, free from all kinds of disease. You you the, even the Old Testament people never were entitled to have disease. Exodus 15, 20, that was an Old Testament scripture. He says, if you diligently hearken, listen to my voice and do what I tell you to do. And when you mess up, come bring, bring me a blood sacrifice. That was the deal. Amen. With us, we plead the blood. How do you do that? You ask God for forgiveness. God, cover me in your blood. I get your blood covering when I ask you to forgive me. 
You got preachers running around. You don't have to do that every time. You do what you do. I do what I do. I love Jesus. I don't know what kind of relationship you think you got. But I'm kind of like, you know, OG about this blood thing. You know, you can't tell me it don't work. And I like stuff to work. I don't want to be guessing and well, so preacher so and so say you don't have to do it. Tell them, tell them to give you a chapter and a verse. They can never do that. It's always some little revelation they got. You can live raggedy if you want. You know, the fact that people have a lot of money and a big following does not mean they're right. And they stick on TV all the time do not mean they're right. Wake up, folks. Please wake up. You know, every time I think about stuff like this, there was a little song I used to hear about old time religion. (laughs) It's good enough for me. You just give me my scriptures that I got saved on, I started out on. Don't take that platform out from under me. You need a firm foundation. Amen. Kept me alive all these years. Kept me in relatively good health, you know, working on it still, always. You know what I'm saying? But uh, you always got to work on things in God. You got to keep yourself physically fit by the power of the word, folks. Can't just let yourself fall apart. Amen. And I ain't talking about going to the gym either. Not that I'm against it. Go. You help yourself. I've been myself. It just takes me too much trouble to get up, get dressed, and go. And You know, you got to shower for strangers. I don't believe in doing that. I like showering for people I know. <laughs> Give me a few points for it instead of just, I don't know them people. So anyway, so Exodus chapter 12 and and Moses instructed the people, he said, on the tenth day of this month, take for them every man a lamb according to the house of his father's a lamb for a house. That's verse 3. If the house is too small for the lamb, they can share it with a neighbor. It just makes sense, okay? You don't want to have a, le- a lot of leftover, holy sacrifice leftover. Amen? And it says, your lamb will be without blemish. A male of the first year, you shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats and keep it up until the 14th day of the same month of the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening and take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and upper door posts of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs, they shall eat it. And, and roast it. And, you know, this is the, the law of the sacrifice that God's instituted for them to bring them to health, to bring them to prosperity, to bring them to success in everything they do. And we're no different. The blood of Jesus brings us to health. It brings us to prosperity. It brings us to success in every single thing that, that we do. If we understand the power of it. In, even in Psalm, I think it was one, which Psalm they brought, he brought them forth with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person, nobody sick, nobody feeble. Everybody could walk. 
everybody could make it over. Everybody was fit for the journey. Amen. It's the same thing with communion. When we take communion now, we begin, we come into remembrance of what he did at the cross through communion. So that if you're weak, if you're feeble, if you, if, if the devil's stealing your money and you can't get to the root of it, you need to break that thing. You're entitled to take communion before God and allow God to, to remove that thing. It's the substitutes have at the table with you. So he's your substitute in the curse. He's your substitute in trouble. He's your substitute in your weakness and anything you can't conquer and you're mystified about. God, I don't even know what this is about, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take communion and I'm going to let you have this weakness of mine. I'm going to let you have this symptom of mine and I'm going to receive your health. And make it a done deal. That's one way to make it a done deal. If you understand the power of communion. See, we do these things that people think the most important thing is you have it once a month. Do you understand what I'm saying? Don't even know what they're having it for. Paul said that's why a lot of people are sick because they're taking it, taking, not discerning the Lord's body. You're not understanding what his his broken body took for you and what his resurrected resurrected body is bringing to you see there's a, an exchange there at the community you're exchanging when you take that bread and that cup you're taking him in and you're pushing your weakness over on his side you're putting it back over on him again symbolically he took it already but you need something that you can prophetically uh, work that out, operate in that, so that that thing can leave you. And I mean leave you for good, if you believe in it. So so this is one way that we have to connect with the body and the blood of Jesus, is through the communion table. And yes, you take it worthily. You don't go there with, with mad at somebody or having issues with people. Go make your thing right. Make your thing right between you and God. Make your thing. That's the simplest thing in the world to do is say, God, please forgive me. I'm sorry. I see my wrong. That was me did that. I can't blame it on anybody but me. I take, I take the blame for that. And, but as, I'm asking you to receive my confession and take the blame over on you. Because you died for me to be free of this stuff. Amen. That's what he wants. He wants your freedom. And so this is the first Passover. And they take the blood and they put it on the doorposts and over the top lintel of the door. And he says, um, don't leave any of this left into the morning. And in the morning you burn the rest with fire. And he says, you shall eat of it with your loins girded. In other words, this is going to be a carry-out meal, a takeout meal. This is going to be something you just to drive through. So everybody ought to be familiar. Everybody ought to be glad about that. Eat it on the run. He said, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's the Lord's Passover. In other words, don't be sitting down chitting, chatting, taking a long time. This ain't that kind of meal. You want to invite everybody, girl, come on in here. We get another help. And nah, we got plenty of this lamb. This, this a lot of lamb up in here. You just get everybody in here. That's fine, but eat it in haste because you ain't staying. 
He says, because I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I ain't letting you know what time either. Be taken all day to, to cook this meal and, oh Lord, how much, I mean, you know, I'm, how much time we got? Just do it now. And he says, I'm going to execute. Why is he doing this? He said, I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt this night and I'm going to smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt. Why is he doing that? Because they did it to him. Remember when Moses was born? Yeah, see, we forget already. God don't forget nothing. Amen. He's got to get restitution. He got to show Pharaoh, you kill all my firstborn, I'm getting yours too. You, you ain't the only dude who can play this game. He said, I'm going to execute judgment for I am the Lord. He gave Pharaoh ten opportunities to repent and call this off. But he continued to harden and stiffen and say he ain't going to do it. Ah, nah, you go pray for me, Moses. Playing games with Moses. God showed him this ain't no game. He said, this day shall you be, a, this will be a memorial to you. You're going to keep it for all generations. So what do we keep now? We keep the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's our, that's, that's what we keep. Our, he's our Passover. And we keep, we do the communion. We do that in remembrance of him. So our communion, that the, the bread and the wine that we take in remembrance of him, it's our Passover, folks. Don't get caught up in this, you know, people getting, you know, people get so enthralled with Old Testament, the Jewish part of the religion. We got something much better. I got news for you. You don't need to go back and do that Passover. You do, you do Jesus. You keep up with what he's done. That's enough. Finding out all you got in his covenant will really keep you busy. Amen. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for Holy Ghost understanding of all things. We bless you. We thank you. We honor you. You're so good to us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that Jesus is our Passover. He was already slain, and we live his resurrection life every day. A a life full of power, love, mercy, blessing, whatever we need, it's provided for non-stop, no limit, the best of the best, the greatest of the great. Amen. We thank you, Jesus. You are the greatest of all time. We love you and we adore you. And we thank you. Thank you for your son, Father. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the family of God that lives and dwells in us in its fullness. And we honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. We'll do our declaration. I don't have Rona. She don't have me. I can't get Rona. She can't get me. I don't have. And it don't have me. And it can't get me. And I thank you, Lord. By your stripes, we are healed. Amen. Amen and amen again. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.